Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Human Behavior Show, um, episode 16. And I'm loving the speed at which we're doing the episodes. I think we're trying to get all the learnings in social across, you know, last year or so in the pandemic and trying to condense them into 30 minute episodes and being able to get, you know, uh, great people to talk and bring you some of the best um, information. So today's guest is going to be focused and talking about relationships, the complexity of relationships, as you can see from the title and the psychology behind them. And we'll be talking about what his research is, what he's looking into and what he's interested in. So guys, this is going to be a super good episode um, and available on Apple podcasts, as well as Spotify. We'll be going for about half an hour as always. And it's going to be full of information. So stay tuned. And if you have any questions, you can live call in the show and ask us your questions. So Nassar, welcome. Nassar, so guys, for a bit of content, Nassar and I, I've known each other for a while now, and Nassar has been quite a powerful speaker and does some fun, has done some fantastic rooms over on Clubhouse, um, deconstructing a lot of why we behave how we do, especially in relationships when we're trying to seek a partner and what we're looking for, a bit about game theory and a lot of interesting topics. And we'll do definitely future episodes of Nassar as well, going a bit deeper. This is kind of an intro episode. So Nassar, why don't you... First of all, welcome to the show, and why don't you tell everyone about your background and what you're interested in? Hey, Doc. Thank you for having me. First of all, you keep introducing me to these new apps like Clubhouse and then call in. It's really hard at this point to c- catch up with you. <laughs> but <laughs> on the other hand, uh, oh, thank you for having me. I'm actually quite excited to figure out how this particular app works and how can you even have listeners and how can they chip in like it's... And it's my first day. Sorry, it's not even been like 10 minutes since I've been on it. But I don't know. To me, it seems like it's not that user-friendly. Or maybe I just haven't learned where to press yet. But other than that, I have spent quite a while now researching relationships and mostly statistical analysis of it to figure out how people as collective think and how do they think individually. And then if the link between their what the data indicates collectively and the link between how people perhaps respond to certain things individually, if it's consistent, because if you put people in different scenarios and I guess play with the questions, well, you would realize that the same opinion drastically changes if you ask it in a different way. And now we're trying to figure out how those complexities can, can be better understood because if you ask a normal person on a day-to-day life, it's like, Oh, why relationship? forgive me, why are relationships so complex? Their usual reply would be something along the line of, no, it's not. It's just people who make it. Relationship is quite easy. And as we further talk about this, you'll realize why it's not the case anymore. Yeah, Nassar, that's super interesting. And what you shared uh, often alarms people as well because you have some interesting, you know, I know you don't like being known as the stats guy and I'm going to stay away from that word. But Nassar does have a lot of statistics always at hand. So that is his not his only thing. He is he's he's more knowledgeable beyond that and a bit more you know more conceptual. But his statistics are really good, nevertheless. Nassar. <laughs> so so when we think about you know relationships, and you talked about how what collective groups want, what individuals want, the different thinking. So first of all, um, why don't you tell us like how you got interested in these this area and how do you start exploring him? Well, the initial interest came in because I was in complex relationship situations 
as I would like to slowly and delicately put it. And from there, as I continuously kept growing, I kept seeing my friends, my best friends, my family members have these difficulties that I thought were not that hard to perhaps navigate through. And that was the naiveness of my thought process at that particular point. And slowly, I started to do my undergrad and I was going for psychology, but taking a minor in it, I realized it was just too easy for me, which is the biggest mistake I did because I quit it. I said, this is understanding people was perhaps easier for me and I didn't need a degree to research further. So I did my degrees in different things and continuously kept looking for jobs that would allow me to research within the relationship context as a whole. And through my job, I eventually did more and more, you know, more and more reviews of particular research that some of my friends were doing or kind of tried to peer review some of them. And at the same time, for the professors I was working with, I had to conduct a lot of research and then come up with summaries of those research for them. And the more you study about it and the more you look at it from a psychological perspective on how people think and how they react and what drastically changes based on relationships they're having and whether they're the purpose of that relationship is marriage or just to have someone for a short period of time based on their trips or based on their current life situation, how human personality drastically changes just fascinated me. And uh, after that, I just couldn't stop not researching and not talking about it. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's often things that happen, you know, from your experience and you get interested in like gets you more and more involved in the subject, Nassar. Nassar, I think a lot of people, the listeners, probably want to know more about some of these concepts or psychology behind relationships. And I know it's such a broad topic, so it's hard to ask that type of question because you could go on so many different tangents. So let's kind of start slowly here. When So from what you've looked into or your knowledge about, what are people seeking? This is a very broad question. Are there any indication i know we've talked about it a lot we've talked about things like facial features attractiveness height you know you've given statistics about wealth in a man uh, job status um so many different attributes inherently as humans or as people what are we looking for in a partner or in a match is it dictated by superficial numbers or is it deeper than that well, it's a bit of both, and that depends on where in life are you, because a lot of people are looking for relationships, but the reason can drastically change based on the age in which they're looking for a relationship. So here, I'll give you a random research I read that indicated, and it was a widely done research, uh, which indicated that men, uh, women, when they're looking for a mate to settle down with, that two top things. Of course, there are other things on the list, but the two top things that they look for is intelligence. They want someone challenging. And the word they use in replies is usually challenging. You know, someone that can challenge me. They're looking for someone challenging. And at the same time, they're looking for someone financially very stable. And those are the two things that they look for. When you flip the coin and you ask, and the research was done to know what do men look for, then they realize men look for two things. The top two things are also, which is youth and fertility. So they want someone that is younger and someone with whom they can have more kids. And that 
particularly depends on where these two people are in their life. Like, are you looking of settling down? Is that what your emphasis is right now? And if that's not the case, then I want to kind of go back a little bit. If you ask an adolescent or a teenager on if they're trying to find someone in their school or just for the prom date, what they're looking for has nothing to do with these things. It's not even remotely on their mind. Their idea that particular collectively on what they consider cool is or important in order to have a relationship is very different. And as you go through and you go through different relationships or different heartbreaks, depending on which society you live in, those changes or those requirements in order to be in a relationship gets more and more complex. People say we're getting more and more pickier, but we're, I think they're only reacting to all the failures they've had in a relationship. So a certain trait that might not be a bad trait for an individual to have, for example, for a man to be very skeptic of how you used to think. And you might find that demeaning, but the reality is they might have been through certain experiences that makes them think that way. So the focus is to understand why someone is such a big skeptic of perhaps either your ambition or your the way you communicate certain certain things that matters most to you rather than, oh, I dated someone who replied to me in a certain way and it was demeaning and they had no respect for me. So you won't have res respect for me because we project, we project our past relationships almost in our all current relationships and future relationships. So as we talk further, then we'll break this down a little bit, but it really depends on when in life are you trying to look for a relationship? Because once you grow older than 25, most people usually, they call it, you know, relationship with intent, like they're looking for an intentional relationship that might not be marriage. Like marriage is not an intention, intentional approach anymore, but it might be a long-term stability because most people now don't want to get married. And that stability requirement changes individually, even though as a collective, they might reply like, oh, I just want someone loyal, someone who can take care of me, someone who understand me. But what on earth do these things mean? What do you mean someone who can take care of me? Are we talking about emotional, financial? Is it, I don't know, physical? Is it a bit of all? And how much does that care has to be? How much does someone needs to invest their time and effort in understanding you in taking care of you compared to, you know, where they might be individually for them to be capable of doing to what extent you want them? And for that, you need to sit down with these people individually, break it down on what their relationship what they expect from a relationship and what the other person can offer and how much are they okay with getting that. Because the way we think is we have abundance of choices. So if I feel like, oh, you might be a little tricky to get what I need from, the society we live in has created this image where we think we have so many great options or so many other options that I don't need to settle with you because I can do better. And that's a very major misconception most people have. Yeah, that's really interesting, um, the optionality part. Um, and with social media, we've talked about how we think we have so many options, endless options, and therefore we start to seek perfection. It was funny because um, Lee, recently I posted on my Instagram, um, 2017, like a throwback, I was at, well, I was in business school in 2015, and we had a behavioral economics class 
And one of the examples was choice. And the professor talked about how if we have more options, we just get more picky and we seek perfection in that case. And I actually found it and I was reviewing it in 2017 and I'd taken a picture. And just a week ago, I got that memory on Snapchat. So I posted it and it was interesting how I've ended up doing because these things that, you know, statistics seem to show us and this difference between, you know, being intentional, like you said, post 25 and before that. And I do want to dive into that a bit deeper as well, actually. Um, do you think um, now with the online world, um, do you think matchmaking or finding your partner online is changed how we approach things, what we look for? Or is it still constant with some of these things you mentioned? Well, of course, it has had a huge impact. I think if we talk about number games in 2019 and 2020, I think it was roughly 22% of marriages that took place in the U.S. were done through online dating. Now, that's that's a big influence. Like you might think, oh, that's not that much, but it means it has grown from maybe three to four percent as Tinder started on earlier dates, uh, earlier dates to twenty-two percent. That's huge. And as we go further, and the more people are being skepticals of uh, skeptics of meeting someone face to face or someone just trying to talk to them, you know, at a Starbucks, let's just say, and trying to introduce themselves, they find that weird. There is some sort of comfort in knowing that oh this person is online i can know them first without ever meeting them rather than meeting someone next to your you know favorite coffee shop or in a restaurant that you like to which starting a conversation you might be with your friends and you don't want to project yourself as interested because your friends might have a certain image of you at that particular point there's a thousand things that goes through people's mind on why they don't want anyone to approach them even though when things go wrong and of course, I'm, I'm not saying everyone likes that. I'm, I'm just saying that the number of people who don't want to be approached in public now is drastically increasing, um, which was very different than how things were, let's just say, even five years ago. And now it has changed. But to talk about the choices, if you ask any person that is extremely successful, they'll tell you they hate making more than three or four choices a day. Why is that? Because they don't want to confuse their mind. They think they've realized that the more you think about these things, the more exhausted you become because now you're wondering even what shirt to wear, you know, what clothes to wear. That just puts your mind under constant thinking or pressure that you don't want to deal with. If you want to make good choices, make very few choices, you know, think more about them, but don't think about getting up. Oh, what am I having for breakfast? Oh, that's another choice. Where am I going? This happens to majority of the people where when you tell them, okay, let's go for brunch, it takes them an hour or two to figure out where to go because they have to figure this thing, you know, and break it down and see what they're in mood for and what the probability of like doing other activities might be if they eat certain food that might be too heavy. Would they want to just go back straight home? Would they want to walk? Do they want to go to a museum after that? And then just picking up a place to brunch is no more an easy task. Now imagine trying to find your soulmate. If you are at that particular stage in your life where you want to find someone and settle down with it in the Western world, um, now it has gotten really hard because now you have, you're on a dating app and weirdly, 
plenty of research being done with as a woman. A woman, um, um, if you write to a man on a dating app, you, you're the m- most, you get the quickest reply, and that's usually within the five minutes. Majority of men reply within the first three minutes, which means they're more on this app per, and they want to, I guess, communicate faster as fast as possible because they see it like if I miss it, someone else might and there I might lose an opportunity. But also because perhaps they're not, compared to women, they're not matching as many people or they're not talking to as many people. While on the woman's side, a normal reply is usually, I believe, if I remember correctly, within two hours or so. So they take their sweet time and there are plenty of reasons why maybe what you wrote wasn't interesting enough, or maybe so many people wrote that, you know, they just lost you down the lane. And some of them never get a reply from a match, a potential match where let's just say on Bumble, you both liked each other, but you might never get a reply or she might never write to you first because the match expires. So of course, why does that happen? It's because you're matched with so many people. You're already losing a lot of people that you initially matched with by never talking to them because you were distracted by so many. And then when you start talking to them, there is no way you're going to find someone that is ideal for you because ideal would mean next to perfect or someone that you think is, okay, I can take these minor things and ignore them, but the rest is perfect because that understanding comes with having deeper conversations. And majority of the people don't even make it to that level because, oh, the way you said something or, or you wrote a text that I didn't find funny, so unmatch or I don't, I'm not interested anymore. I don't think we're each other's type. Your mind is now quick to react because you know there are so many other people in your inbox. And that has created this image where you think these people who are in that inbox actually care about you or actually want to have a relationship with you because they will fake it to get whatever their purpose might be just to take or take out the remaining options you have in that pool. So you'll find someone who you think is great and amazing and you go on dates with them and you have now ignored everyone else on Bumble and whether it's a girl or, uh, you know, a guy or, or a girl, it doesn't matter, but you have invested all your time in them. And then th- three days down the road, either they tell you or you realize this is not a good match, but your mind doesn't react to figure out why it wasn't. It automatically goes like, oh yeah, whatever. We got so many other options. Just get back on Bumble and there you go. A hundred more people you're talking to. So online relationships in my, in my humble opinion have made things far more regrettable for these people because now it's no more about understanding differences and trying to figure out how and if we can live together with those differences. <clears throat> but now this has created an image where even a minor difference between two individual means, no, you're not a good fit. That's a really good explanation there. And when thinking about it, that's why in Emily, we tried to limit the optionality and make it a one match a day that seems to suit your criteria. Um, and it's not perfect because, I mean, people sometimes don't know what their criteria should be, but it helps you focus on someone and really take that in rather than the distractions that you mentioned. And that's on Amelie App. We, we've really tried to bring that through in our product design. So, sorry, you've mentioned some really interesting things there. I do have a question from that. People are looking for certain things. People are trying to figure out what they want and they don't know and there's all these options. 
in your opinion, this could be different for everyone, but are there a set of red flags that exist? Are they different for everyone? Should you note down some red flags and turn away people who, you know, don't fit that criteria or have those red flags? What is your take on, on that? Wow, we are kind of all over right now. That's a really good question, but we might have to do rooms down the road, you know, that where we take only one aspect of it and try to dive deeper <clears throat> than actually talking about so many major things. But to answer your question, you're right. It's very different to each individual. And at the same time, it shouldn't be. To me personally, I think a red flag might mean an area of concern, but might not mean a reason to just completely shut down someone. So for example, if I'm talking to someone and I realize like, wait a minute, this thing or this behavior might not be a good fit or is not what I is I find ideal in my partner, let's just say. Now that's that might raise concern in my mind because like I'm not entirely sure what this person met or if this is going to be a consistent behavior or is this person reacting like this because of what they have been through. <clears throat> and it's really hard for people these days to understand that there there are obvious red flags, you know, that no one should indulge and no one should, let's just say, try to fix those kind of red flags. And that could be possessiveness to an extent where the, they, they're already telling you now without even knowing you to the, on that level on what you can and cannot do in a relationship once you're with them. Now, that's a huge red flag because they're already trying to say that what I want from you should be the final say and you shouldn't do the, these things, period. Now, those kind of red flags I understand, but <clears throat> the way someone sees the role of kids in a relationship or the way someone sees the role of a partner or how they ideally see their relationship to be. Now, those things, there might be certain red flags in that area, but that doesn't mean that that is what this person actually thinks. Because I have seen a lot of people and I've had, I've consulted a lot of people within their relationship where they would say these things that to their partner is a complete red flag. But when you dig, dig deeper and when you ask them, like, why do you think that way? And the more examples they give you, the more you realize, wait a minute, it is because of their negative experiences or I'm going to be very careful with using the word trauma. But because of their trauma, they are reacting this particular way. But the probability possibility of this changing drastically once let's just say they have their own kids and how they want to raise them or the importance of raising your kid let's just say religiously or non-religiously will drastically change once their fears have been dealt with which which can be because you know you need to build trust in order to take care of your partner's fear then those red flags are not red flags anymore. So you have to dealt very carefully here because you, some people, if they're really into you, they will ignore your red flags to a point that after marriage or after a huge emotional investment, they would realize, oh my God, I should have never done that. So it has to be very careful. But unfortunately, people have made the smallest thing a red flag. Like, hey, I, I don't understand why you think politically a certain way and all of a sudden it's a red flag no it is it is someone's 
it is someone trying to understand why you think the way you think and not that they actually think different, but they don't get it why you, based on, let's just say, your experiences and your background might think that way. And, and that requires a lot of patience, that requires a lot of understanding, and that requires a lot of intention of trying to genuinely know someone. So for me, a biggest flag, let's just say right now, in a woman would be, if they start talking and they're automatically bombarding you with these very major and life-changing questions like, oh, what do you think about this, 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 this? And they expect a reply because at that point, they don't give a damn in understanding you. They just want to hear something for them to be like, okay, fine. If you think the way I do, I don't want to understand why you think the way you do, or I don't want to understand why you don't think the way I do. Or if there's a probability of you thinking different down the road, uh, possibility of you thinking down the road, they don't want to do any of those things. They're like, okay, I have a checklist. If you answer correctly, then you're worth it, my time. Because those kind of people are really hard to satisfy because they want everything their way. And the minute it's not, then automatically you're disqualified and next. So that's like our biggest red flag. You need to have patience if you want to have a long-lasting relationship, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with your siblings, or especially with your partner. And if you can't do that, for me, if you don't have that patience, that's a huge red flag. But everything else, to a great extent, I don't see them as a red flag. I see them as, wait, let me understand this first before I actually react to it. No, sorry, that's what I'm trying to introduce. I know you could really go deep into some of these topics and because it's kind of an intro episode to kind of uh, you know more episodes we'll do with you i want to kind of touch upon some of some of the more juicier um sections of this um and obviously these are a little overviews and we can really dig deeper into each part and give examples and think about scenarios as well and i hope to do that so nasar finally before we um, kind of start to round up can people change another philosophical big question do you think when you pick someone you should pick them for how they are then or do people evolve as relationships progress? Oh, wow, that that in itself is a two-hour <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Only on opinion and not even on perhaps the studies done within within people and their actions and behavior in a relationship. So can people change? The answer is absolutely yes. Yes, they can change. Um Will people change? That's a different question. Uh, do people want to change? That's a different question. And what can, and now that's the right question, I think, is what can make people change? What can motivate them to change? That's where the emphasis is. For example, I've had a lot of, I wouldn't call them clients, but people I consulted who who wanted their relationship to be a certain way and they wanted a certain outcome and they didn't want to change. And as we tried to talk more and more with them over the course of months and as they became more involved and built a deeper relationship with their partner, men and women, they changed the things that they thought they would never change. They changed the behaviors or they tried to change the behaviors or they realized that the things that they thought mentally were a big deal breaker were no more a deal breaker. So it's because you need to give people the time to know you. And if I know you as an individual, and if I have invested my time to understand you, 
And of course, there's no way you can give someone that kind of time without actually creating an emotional relationship with them. So once I build that relationship with you, no matter how alpha of a man I might be or how hard, cold-hearted individual or woman you might be, it doesn't matter how set in stone you might be in your ways. Once I understand you in that way, I have to then understand where you come from. And if that builds an emotional relationship, then I don't care if I'm right or wrong. What I, what most people care about is, okay, but will this make my partner or will this make my parents or will this make my siblings happy? So people change all the time. You would, you would, you, you probably had friends who always said they would never do these things for their partner. And now they're married in a relationship or they have been with their ideal mate. And all of a sudden you're seeing different things and you're seeing different behaviors of them that they were completely like, oh, I'm never going to do that. But they did. And it's not because they have fallen or they're under the control of their partner, but because they have realized that that love that they have for this person is way more and way more important than their idea based on their negative experiences with the world of how a person should be. And there's no way you don't have those kind of people around you because everyone in a relationship changes, whether that's positive or negative, that's a completely different story. Absolutely, Nassar. And because of that, we have actually someone who wants to call in and welcome Illumio. Um, so you're in the chat and would love for you to add your comment or ask your question. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just enjoying the, the chat. Uh, I spent a pretty good amount of my life studying this kind of stuff. Uh, not formally. I just, you know, I read a lot of books, uh, listened to a lot of speakers and uh, did some what you might call the infield experiments myself. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, for me, it, it, um, yeah, from what I understand is um, trauma is the most common thing that leads to behavioral change. Uh, most people need a lot of leverage, a lot of, uh, a lot of leverage in their lives in order to, to change. People don't change easily. It's like, it's, it's easier to run a big ship. Yeah. I mean, depending on where in life you are, change is never easy. And majority of the people on average, especially people who are conservative on American context to them, change is harder to accept but once they do know individual people within their life, then the probability of them changing improves and tremendously it improves. So in a relationship, in the beginning of a relationship, it's really hard to see someone change. And there are a very small percentage, uh, don't remember the exact numbers, that, that, that don't, but majority of the partners do. And they do change, and that might be positive or negative based on how you initiate that change or how you try to communicate and bring along that those changes in your partner. But yeah, trauma plays a major role, and building trust and comfort in order to even open up with your partner is a different challenge. But once you conquer those things, and it's not hard, extremely hard to conquer those things, but once you do, you'll be surprised how positively people change and have changed for their part or their family members and the other thing is um we haven't really um talked about what kind of change what exactly are we changing are we changing everything it's just a few things some things are easier to change than others uh, some things are uh, some things are a product of a whole life 
you know, something you learned when you were little and you've been doing it ever since for 20 something years is a little bit more difficult to change than let's say, I don't know, uh, using a different social media <laughs> or something like no, that. I understand that. But if the idea is like uh, you said, what kind of changes and maybe change everything. I mean, I hope you're not with someone who you wake up and see and you're like, I want to change everything about you. <laughs> I hope nah. that's not the because, of course, when you're trying to, uh, you know, be in a relationship with someone, you already have a lot of things that you like about them. And then certain things that you are like, no, I don't like these. So those has to be every time I have encountered people, they know exactly what it is. They're very particular. They're like, OK, this thing, the way you think your behavior, the way you treat me in this particular situation is what I don't like. And that's what we need to change. So it's usually very well defined, maybe not very well explain but they know exactly perhaps you know what change they want to see in their partner because for most people that i know like the type of change we're talking about the for most people that, that i know it's things like uh, the way you chew your your bread <laughs> things like that or you know um little little idiosyncrasies you know little behaviors that aren't really part of your personality but they're just like a quirk a thing you do i I find that that more than usually is the type of stuff that would lead somebody to say mostly men anyways hey that's something that gets on my nerves yeah but if things like that and might not be the case for everyone but in the very limited experience i've had with the people i've consulted if things as small as the way you chew your food annoys or disturbs or make people angry to a point where they're contemplating the role of that relationship, then it's never about those things. And of course, you're going to live your entire life with someone whose certain way of doing things you don't like. But those things don't matter in the grand scheme of how they love you, how they treat you, how they you know, make you happy, whatever you're looking for. But if it's affecting your relationship, then it's not about how you chew your food, but everything else that the other person is just not communicating to you. Yeah. But is it, is it sometimes, I mean, like, uh, I understand that sometimes it's a deeper, you know, like women will often do this. They'll read into something you know, uh, that guys do and they'll give it extra meaning for no reason. I just wanted to be my, myself. There's nothing to do. There's no deep seated um, story behind it. It's just me wanting to be by myself. Uh, and I, I find sometimes it's, it's just that too. But I understand what you're saying though, that, uh, that a lot of times it's a, uh, it's a manifestation of something bigger. Yeah. But uh, I'll look at it this way. You just said women perhaps might think deeper into something that they shouldn't. And you know, it's far more simple than that. Then the simplest question would be, okay, if they're thinking, or overthinking, let's just say the partner you're with, she's overthinking this particular thing. And you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. But is that the only reason they're thinking that particular thing? Is it like, oh, you're overthinking this and it's not a problem, but maybe it's not about that problem at all. Any woman or man that might be like, oh, I don't want you to talk to these people or I don't, oh, I think you talking to these people is just not a good idea. You might be like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like, don't tell me who to talk to, who not to talk to. But then there's definitely, no matter how big or small, there's definitely something else on their mind that they're worried about. Now, you might say you're worrying for no reason, but it is affecting them. And if it's affecting them, it's affecting you. Yeah. Anyway. That's the, but, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. <laughs>
for that, sorry, I just meant for that, you would have to let me dig deeper into what your problem is, what your solutions do you think is, who you are as a person, who your partner is as a person. Oh, not, no, is this not pertaining to me? I no, don't, no, uh, no. I'm single. So. We're talking about general terms, but whoever that might be, we need to like dig deeper into it to understand, oh, is your partner only reacting that way because that's just their habit? Or is it because they think you're not doing certain things or they're insecure or they're just worried about certain things without being insecure. And I, I'm surprised I, I, now I'm not, but I used to be surprised how something that is so minor in the grand scheme of things can affect a person's way of thinking to a point that people have either ended relationships or completely made each other's life miserable without ending relationship based on something that could have been an easy fix by just communicating um, or by just attempting to understand what the other person is actually or where the other person is actually coming from. And it's, it's hard. Uh, I, as a man, I understand it's hard to care about certain things that your partner wants you to, to care about, but it's crucial in the grand scheme of things. Hmm. Anyway, doc, Super interesting, guys. Thank you, Lurio. Loved your input there as well. And Nassar shared a lot with us here today. And guys, we'll be hearing a lot more from Nassar in, in the future episodes as well um, as part of the Human Behavior Show. So this episode can be listened to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and it's been recorded on Colin App. Nassar, where can people follow you or find out more? That's a good question. I'm a very, very private person. But uh, as as you keep bringing me into these rooms, I... I've been introduced to more and more people that I really like talking to. So Instagram is probably the only way right now to get in touch with me. My Instagram handle or username is three, uh, the digit and N S A I L. Uh, so yes, please feel free to find me there. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you, Nassar. Thank you everyone. And thanks for tuning in for the human behavior show. This is episode 16 of the human behavior show and we hope to keep bringing you great content and i will catch you guys in the next show bye everyone